The New York Jets are now on the board. Okay, Jet fans, Darrell Revis. Being in New York has been one of the greatest blessings. Zach Smith Avenue ran that one right now. The New York Jets flag. Welcome to episode one of the NFL Draft Preview Podcast. In 2022, Ethan Greenberg, Dane Brugler, back in the saddle. Another year, another very exciting year too, Dane, because not only is it always exciting to get your expertise on the draft, but this is back-to-back years now with back-to-back first-round picks, two of them in each 2021 and 2022 for the Jets. Yeah, Ethan, it's great to be back with you. It's uh, it's going to be a fun draft. You know, Every draft has their own identity and you know different storylines this year it's really interesting because the it's going to be a meat and potatoes draft you know there's a lot of really solid players that project as nfl starters we're just missing some of that star power at the top and part of that is the lack of high-end quarterbacks that are available uh you know we don't have necessarily that that chase young that miles garrett uh you know that that no-brainer at the top who's going to be the clear-cut number one pick but there's a lot of good talent in this draft uh, and at certain positions. So it's going to make for a lot of fun discussions, especially when you talk about the Jets with two picks in the uh, top 10, multiple picks in the top 100, uh, a, a lot of opportunities for this team to get better. And I think that some of the needs that this team has at this point in the process, I think it lines up with uh, when you look at the strengths of this draft and potentially who uh, the Jets could be looking at. All right, so you said it. Jets have picks four and ten. They got thirty-five and thirty-eight, so that's four in the top thirty-eight. They have two fourth-round picks, a pair of fifth-round picks as well. And we have—we're recording this January twenty-fourth. We got a long time to talk about all the different prospects. But from a wide-angle lens, you mentioned that this this class is missing some of the star power that maybe we've seen in other classes. But you also said that the Jets what the perceived needs right now as they stand in January. And a lot of this will be crystallized by the time the draft comes in late April through free agency and trade and everything of that nature. What are the strengths and weaknesses of this draft class? And what do you think mirror up well with what the Jets want to do here in Florham Park? Well, I think when you look at the wide receiver position, um, I don't know about the the depth into day three. I think it's a little thin when we get to the mid to late rounds. But top 100, first round, it's going to be a well-represented position. I've got six wide receivers in my top 25. Uh, so you look at the Jets hitting there at the, the 10th pick, potentially a spot uh, where they could be looking at a pass catcher there. Uh, this is one of the deeper tight end classes we've ever seen. And that's uh, without having a no-brainer first-round pick at the position. So uh, rounds two, three, four, into day three, we're going to see the tight ends fly off the boards uh, I, I have I have over 20 uh, tight ends in my rankings that I've talked to teams, and at least some of those teams have draftable grades on 20 different players. So uh, we're going to see tight ends uh, well-represented. Uh, offensive tackle is going to be a, a position that's coming off the board early. Uh, we could see five, maybe six in the first round. And some of those guys have position versatility. Uh, you talk about an Evan Neal from Alabama who started at a full season at guard, started a full season at right tackle, started at left tackle. So he's a player that uh, you know could be plugged in at different spots. Uh, and, and so I think the offensive lineman is a position that the Jets could be looking at. Edge rusher, another position that's going to be w- really well represented in every single round. Uh, you know, a, a good mix of power guys, speed guys, development guys. So uh, I think those positions really stand out. I throw linebacker in there as well as a position that we're going to see a few first rounders 
second, third, fourth round, it's not going to tail off. So uh, a few of those uh, positions that are the strengths of this draft, I think really pair up well with what the Jets could be looking at uh, when it comes to draft weekend. I think what you just said is going to be music to Jets fans' ears, although the Jets do have the fourth pick and what you said originally, maybe not the best class at the top of the draft, but again, having a lot of capital works in teams' advantage every year, specifically this year for the Jets and what you just laid out. Now, before we talk about the Senior Bowl, and that's going to be big for the Jets, they're coaching in it, they're coaching the Nationals team, the Lions coaching the American team. I have one very specific question for you in terms of the top of this year's draft. And again, we're going to have months and months to go into great detail at each position. But Derek Stingley, I want to bring him up for one reason. He had a stellar freshman year, obviously, since the evaluation is probably a little murky, to say the least. If he had a similar season his sophomore and junior year to his freshman year, would he be considered potentially in that blue chip nature that's missing right now in evaluators' eyes right now? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it, it, he almost set the bar too high as a freshman. He was so good uh, that year, and you know, as a true freshman starting in the SEC, teams were not afraid to throw at him. Uh, you know, so he saw a lot of action uh, on on his side of the field, and he responded in a big, big way. Uh, a really fluid, smooth athlete, outstanding ball skills, does a great job returning his eyes to the line of scrimmage so he could locate the football, make plays. Uh, it's just, you know, but kind of how you laid it out. The last two years, we just didn't necessarily see that. He didn't play at that high of a level. Now, part of it, injuries. Uh, that, that was part of the conversation, especially this last year, coming off the foot injury. He is a wild card at this point because if you trust the talent that you saw uh, in 2019 for that the LSU National Champions when he was a true freshman, you're going to consider uh, Stingley in the top five picks. But if the last two years, in a sophomore year, he was good, not great. Kind of, you know, it, when, you know, all he lost all those players from that national title team, he was one of the few returners on defense. And, and you know, it, it, it tailed off a little bit, but he was still a good player. And then this past year with the injuries, so uh, it, opinions are going to be all over the board on him. And I think that when it comes down to the interviews, and the medicals, that's ultimately going to decide where Derek Stingley is drafted. Uh, he has to you know, prove to teams that, hey, yeah, I have the toughness. I'm going to be a guy that you can rely on to be on the field. The guy you saw as a freshman is the guy you're going to get in the NFL. Guys need to create turnovers. Led the SEC with six picks that year. So I, Derek Stingley right now in January is a big, big wild card. Uh, I think that he's going to be number one corner on a lot of boards. But he might not be the consensus number one corner because a lot of these question marks we've been talking about. Look, it's going to be fun is basically what Dane is saying because there are a lot of questions in the top 10 and that's what makes the draft fun, right? The unknown of the draft. There's always the wild card, the team that picks the guy maybe that you're not expecting them to select. And it feels like there could be a lot of that come April. And again, months and months to digest it. But the first major tentpole event in the draft process, as you'll see on the Reese's Senior Bowl website, is the Reese's Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. Their tagline is the draft starts in Mobile. And for the Jets, seems like they're going to have a really cool advantage coaching the national team. And the Lions will also have an advantage compared to the other 30 teams in the NFL. But from where you sit, Dane, what is that advantage for the Jets and the Lions as opposed to the other 30 teams that are just going down to evaluate? Well, I, I think there's a few areas where the Jets are going to have an advantage. Uh, first off is just a head start. 
uh, you know, you're going to be able to get a head start on the rest of the teams uh, in terms of understanding these players even more. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I think the hands-on learning with these players, uh, the biggest thing with young players going from the college level to the pro level, a big part of it is how do they learn? How are they coached up? You know, their, their personalities uh, as people, as players, as learners, the Jets are going to have an opportunity to have hands-on approach with these guys to better answer those questions and understand, okay, does this guy fit our culture? Does he fit our coaching? Uh, that that's an opportunity that uh, not you know thirty teams are not going to have. The Lions and Jets will have that this year, and we see it every year where uh, teams that coach in the Senior Bowl usually end up drafting one, two, maybe more players uh, who they coached it, it, this week in Mobile. Uh, they they end up drafting those players because they end up knowing them better than anybody, establishing that relationship. Uh, and, and it's something that is a great audition, a great opportunity for these players to get in front of teams. Uh, really, and you think about it, this is the last time they're going to wear pads and a helmet in a football setting before the draft. And so this is a great opportunity for the 110, 115 uh, seniors, uh, draftable players that will be at the Senior Bowl. And for the Jets, it's an opportunity to get out in front. And, you know, the scouts have been on the road. They've seen these guys. The, the personnel uh, department has been, you know, working on these guys. There's no surprise there. But the coaches, this is where they really start to get involved in the process. And the Senior Bowl is going to be their first introduction to a lot of these players. And so I, you look at the Jets roster, the national roster for the Senior Bowl, uh, there's a lot of potential Jets on that team. Guys that uh, could be first-round picks, second-round picks, really talented players that can make the Jets a better team. Oh, yeah, we're going to dive into it right now. But I just want to say in terms of you, when you said that there have been examples especially recently the one that comes to my mind of a coaching staff going down and coaching a player that they later drafted. I think just because they're in the playoffs, he means so much to that team is Debo Samuel and the San Francisco 49ers. That is the obvious marriage. And for the Jets, obviously they did not coach in last year's game, but Michael Carter, the running back, who had a very good rookie year, was a part of the Senior Bowl last year. So that's something to keep an eye on or something to know as the Jets embark on their coaching. And I guess the, the coaching staff, and the front office really hand-in-hand hand here. Let's dive into this 2022 national squad roster a little bit. Obviously, the Jets are set at quarterback with Zach Wilson, but every team has its quarterbacks, and this quarterback crop as a whole, not even just the national team, very interesting. The Jets have Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter on their team. So we've seen prospects in the past use the Senior Bowl as kind of a launching pad for their draft stock, and, and in April they get selected maybe where they would not have in January. If there is a player that is set to use the senior bowl as a launching pad, do you think it's most likely to be Pickett or Ritter or somebody else that's down there in mobile? Uh, honestly, uh, Ethan, I, I really think that all six quarterbacks that are down there have a chance to do this because it's such a wide open quarterback class this year. Uh, all six quarterbacks that are going to be in mobile can be top 100 picks. Several of these guys uh, are going to be probably first-round picks. It's just such a, a different group of players, diverse group of players with what they offer, their talent, uh, with, with the way they can impact the game. And they have different uh, resumes in terms of what they did at the college level. Uh, you got a guy like Kenny Pickett who came back for his fifth year at Pitt and really just expanded his game, uh, emerged as his possible first-round pick with how he played, kind of a Joe Burrow light. Uh, not quite on that Joe Burrow level, but he excels in a lot of the same ways where maybe he doesn't have the uh, elite physical traits. His arm's good, not great. 
Uh, he's a, a mobile uh, player, but not a superstar athlete. Uh, but he's a smart player, competitive player, and he understands how to win uh, with using his arm at all three levels of the field. He understands how to move the pocket. Uh, all these different elements that it takes to play the position at a high level. Kenny Pickett really showed the ability to do that this season uh, for for the Pitt Panthers. And so I'm eager to see him uh, live just to see how the ball comes off his hand uh, at the Senior Bowl, uh, see how he connects with the receivers, how he does with anticipation throws, layer throws, uh, all the you know the different uh, uh, different throws you want to see him make in this type of setting. So uh, for Desmond Ritter, the same type of thing where he had a ridiculous resume uh, at Cincinnati, something like what forty uh, three and five or something like that as a starter, just a, a crazy amount of wins on his uh, on his resume. Took the Cincinnati Bearcats to the college football playoff, and yet he still has a little bit more to prove. Uh, even though we have seen so much of him, we have a ton of tape of, of Desmond Ritter, but he has a chance to go to Mobile and and show that hey. Uh, I can do it against the best. Uh, you know, I can do it uh, with uh, against the best seniors in, in the country. So all of these uh, quarterbacks, they're kind of jockeying for position right now. I, I think that of these six that are going to be in Mobile, Kenny Pickett probably has is probably the favorite right now to be the the first drafted. But it is a wide open race at this point. It's going that obviously the quarterback narrative drives so much of the draft, and this could be a 2019 type year after hearing what you said and reading a couple articles that maybe the first quarterback is someone like Daniel Jones in 2019 at pick eight, whereas it won't be necessarily the, well, I guess you'd call it the traditional sense. The number one overall pick, typically the quarterback that might not be the case this year probably is definitely not going to be the case of Jacksonville holds suit because that would just be absolutely shocking. Anyway, that's well, the and, quarterback and, landscape. Well, it's just oh, really ahead. something else I wanted to add it. it I, the jets, they're hoping one of these quarterbacks, you know, just tears it up. You know, all the teams in the top five, <laughs> top ten, they're they're hoping a, a Kenny Pickett or a Desmond Ritter or one of these quarterbacks just looks outstanding and you know drives the price up. So all of a sudden, maybe we are talking about a quarterback in the top five, top seven, top ten. Start getting those trade conversations uh, up and start talking about that. And so, uh, absolutely, these teams will be trying to get the most out of these players, hoping for one of the quarterbacks to rise. Right, so Jets Jets fans, have your fingers crossed that somebody lights it up down in Mobile, Alabama, and we'll see what happens over the course of the next couple months. In terms of the running back position, obviously the Jets love what they have in Michael Carter, who played in the game. So they're probably looking for somebody who offers maybe a different skill set, somebody that comes to mind after going to Twitter and seeing Jim Nagy give some one-liners on each guy on each team. He was talking about Hassan Haskins as mm -hmm. really a power back, which is what the Jets – don't necessarily have on their roster right now. If you look at what they had in 2021, Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, all feel like they can do similar things in terms of running the ball and catching it out of the backfield, but they don't really have that bruiser at running back. And Haskins is that guy. Is that what you concur with Jim Nagy there? Oh, hundred percent. That's exactly what uh, Hassan Haskins offers. I mean, they, they played him at linebacker uh, during his redshirt year, uh, his first year, 2018 for Michigan. So this is a big body back power through his legs. He picks up his knees and he drives through contact. Uh, and he, he's, it's like the field's tilted when he runs because he's always downhill, stays balanced through traffic. Uh, you love the way he accelerates through the hole, consistently falling forward. I, he's one of those backs uh, one of one of the few running backs I've seen the last few years where consistently moving forward, moving forward. He only had six negative yards the entire year 
on 270 carries. And he's not a home run back. Uh, and I think the perfect example of that, 270 carries this year. Of the 270 carries, three resulted in a run of 25-plus yards. So it doesn't have that home run gear. But at the same time, he led the FBS in runs that resulted in a first down. So this is a guy that's a singles and doubles hitter uh, and, you know, not that home run hitter. And that's okay. You need these guys uh, on your team. And I think when you look at the Jets roster, especially uh, with the running back set up on the depth chart, I I think he'd be a nice addition with what he offers. And we'll see what happens, of course. But something to keep in note in terms of Joe Douglas's draft history with the Jets. They've drafted two running backs, both in the fourth round. Michael P. Ryan, 2020. Michael Carter, 2021. We'll see what happens if they go in that direction in 2022. Now, I want to focus on two positions that you want to focus on, tight end and offensive line. Both positions that you would imagine the Jets would be looking after, especially because you know Joe Douglas wants to address the line of scrimmage each and every year that he will be general manager of the New York Jets. So let's start there. Feels like every year... There's a player that goes to a small school that evaluators are really excited to see them play the top level talent, like guys in power five conferences. Who is that player this year? If there is one. Well, you know, with apologies to, you know, Colorado state, I don't, I don't think it's a small school, but it's not a, it's not a program that's routinely cranking out, uh, you know, NFL players, especially at tight end, but Trey McBride, uh, I think is a, as a player who had with what he did as a senior, he has a very good chance to be the first tight end off the board. Won the John Mackey Award as a top tight end in college football. 90 catches this year, over 1,100 yards. Uh, he, he's a guy that uh, he, he can win as a route runner. Uh, you love the way that he's, his head is always located, uh, whipping back to the line of scrimmage, locating the football. Drops, very uncommon on his tape. Uh, I, I think he does a really nice job accelerating out of his break, so he gives the quarterback uh, more of a target. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to tip his routes. He's durable. Uh, he, he, he could be as productive as his volume. So you target him, he's going to be productive. One of the areas that I uh, kind of worried about with him, or one of the concerns, is uh, the red zone. Uh, he only had three touchdowns this year uh, with 90 catches. Not the ratio you want there. You want to see him to be a little more productive in the red zone. But this is a guy that's going to help you uh, you know, get first downs, move the chains. Uh, you need guys like that. What kind of style is Trey McBride's game? Because I feel like tight ends, there. there's a couple of different styles. You have your longer-limbed players that are maybe more receiver-based, maybe somebody like Mike Isicki, Kyle Pitts. Like I'm not comparing McBride or anybody to those players, just the style of their game and their physique. And then you got guys like we saw this past weekend in George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, even Rob Gronkowski, who are more thicker, stouter players. Which Which style is McBride? He probably falls in that that latter ca- uh, category where you know he's not tall and long. He's he's got under thirty three inch arms. He's uh, just a hair under six four, uh, but he, he's he's built pretty well. He's just under two sixty. Um, I, I he reminds me a lot of Hayden Hurst uh, for the Falcons, who maybe not exceptional in terms of the size, the power, the speed, but he's pretty good all the way around. Where not very dynamic, but he's competitive as a receiver and a blocker. Very reliable focus. Uh, and I think that translates really well to the pro game. Another tight end that's on the Jets roster, a little bit of a, a fun storyline here. Jeremy Rucker grew up on Long Island, plays for Ohio State, and it seems to me that Jeremy Rucker's strength is in blocking. So what kind – one, do you agree with that, and do you think that there's room to grow in terms of as a pass catcher, or was that just not what he was asked to do down in Columbus? 
Yeah, I think you hit on it. Uh, it blocking is his strength, but only because uh, Ohio State didn't give him a ton of targets in that offense. And, you know, it's funny. I tweeted about uh, Jeremy Ruckert being a perfect fit uh, for the Jets on day two. And his Jeremy Ruckert's father uh, actually tweeted me a picture of Jeremy when he was all of, what, five or six years old uh, wearing some Jets gear. So uh, it would be a great story. Born and raised uh, in Lindenhurst uh, on Long Island and a player who, uh, went to Ohio State knowing that, okay, I'm going to this offense that's going to score points. Uh, but at the same time, he was he, there's only there's so many mouths to feed in that offense. And Ohio State, with they run uh, a lot of three receiver sets, and you know, we see all the talent coming out of uh, that program at wide receiver. Hard to blame Ohio State for not throwing it uh, to the receivers, but Jeremy Ruckert, when he was targeted, Good things happened. Uh, really strong hands, uh, a strong route runner, good pacing, good patience. Uh, he, he's a guy that the, uh, talked to the strength staff uh, at Ohio State. They say that, that he's never satisfied. Uh, he pushes himself all the time. And so he, you're getting a guy that, uh, especially as a run blocker, I think that's where he really shines. And then a, a guy that as long as you give him targets, he's going to produce for you. So I think Jeremy Rucker will be a better pro than he was in college, and it all comes down to opportunity. And so I think he's there's a good chance we see him come off the board in day two. And this is, this is exactly the type of uh, tight end you want to be coaching in the senior bowl if you're the Jets. Okay, I got, I got to ask you, you said that you like the fit here for the Jets and Jeremy Ruckert in day two. What about Ruckert's game in this Jets offense do you see being a good fit? Well, I think because he's so diverse with what he could do. You can put him in a slot. You can put him in line with his hand on the ground, uh, work him in motion. Uh, you know, we know that the way that the, the Jets offense ideally wants to run, you're going to be moving him around. You're going to be asking your tight end to do a lot of different things, whether it's blocking or running routes, uh, be available for quick passes, but at the same time, have the ability to run the seam. And so I, I think that Jeremy Rucker can do that. And it's funny, you talk, just reading up about him, talking to him, uh, talking to people close to him. Uh, he's a big time soccer player growing up and he was a goalie and he credits, uh, you know, being a goalie, uh, you know, kind of uh, evolving his ability as a pass catcher, catching the football. So uh, this is a guy that I think uh, has, it's just kind of, you know, uh, scratching the surface of what he can be. Uh, like I said, he'll be a better pro than he was college player. I love it. All right, let's move. I guess let's move to the offensive line here. There's always a small school guy that ends up being the talk of Mobile, or so it seems. I remember a couple of years ago, it's like, oh, who's this Titus Howard guy that mm -hmm. he ends up being a first-round pick? Is there a player like that that's going to be in Mobile? And is, is he, if there is, is he on the Jets roster or the Lions? Yeah, Trevor Penning uh, out of Northern Iowa. Uh, he might be the best player in, in Mobile, uh, regardless of position. Uh, this guy is a monster 6'7". Uh, over 35-inch arms. Uh, he is a nasty dude. And this is the perfect opportunity for Trevor to say, okay, yeah, maybe I am already a first-rounder, but I want to be a top-10 pick. And this is going to be an opportunity for him to show that. Going up against uh, FCS competition on, on tape, not a, lot of, not a lot of guys could really compete with him and challenge him. And so you, the one-on-ones uh, during practices are going to be huge for Trevor Penning. If he's able to shut down uh, pass rushers and those one-on-ones in practice, his draft stock is going to go through the roof and we can see him ascend from being probably a 20 top 25 pick to possibly top 10 pick. He has that type of ability, the type of movement skills, the type of power. Um, and, and so Trevor Penning, there's a lot of teams excited to get their hands on Trevor Penning and see how he does uh, at the senior bowl. All right, let's, let's just have a little fun here. 
you're telling me that there's a path for Trevor Penning to potentially, if he were selected by the Jets, to be the number 10 overall selection if the Jets stay put there. Absolutely. Trevor Penning is that good to be a possibility at number 10. And, you know, I talked about earlier how the tackle position, really a strong group this year. And Penning's right there in the mix to be one of the first four tackles drafted. Uh, like I said, 6'7", 330, 35-inch arms. Uh, you can watch him against Iowa State, against you know, the best opponent on his schedule. And he does not look out of place with his movements, with his body angles, power at the point of attack. Uh, and this is a nasty, nasty dude. Coaches are going to love the play demeanor, the way he competes, the way he finishes every single rep. So uh, as long as it, it, the game does not look too fast for him, too big for him uh, during practices at the Senior Bowl, Trevor Penning is going to be a guy that uh, puts himself in position to be a, in a somewhere in the top half of round one. All right. That's going to be – all right, Jets fans. Basically, circle Trevor Penning as a guy to get to know because even if he doesn't get selected by the Jets, and there is a very likely possibility that he is not considering the Jets are one of 32 teams, you got to know who he is, especially heading into Mobile considering the Jets will be coaching him up down there in the senior bowl. So let's flip to the defensive side of the ball here. I, I kind of want to start off with another potential top 10 pick in your latest mock draft, which we'll discuss in a later episode. You have Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah, as a top 10 selection. He will be coached up by the Jets. What makes him a top town talent? And do you think he's also a guy that could legitimately be in play for the Jets? Yeah, I think so. Because Devin Lloyd can, you know, we, we saw what Micah Parsons meant to the Cowboys this year. And Devin Lloyd is not quite on that Micah Parsons level. But I, I, I bring up that name because of the, all the different ways Devin Lloyd can help your defense. This is a high school safety who really filled out his frame. He's long. He can cover. He had four interceptions this year. Two of them he returned for touchdowns. Oh, yeah, he had over 100 yards uh, or over 100 tackles this year. Oh, yeah, over 20 uh, tackles for a loss. So a guy that plays downhill, plays fast. He's explosive. So, uh, you know, you look at the production and it just jumps off the page. And then you watch the tape. And it not only matches, but the tape's even better than what the numbers say. So Devin Lloyd, I, I think with uh, all the different ways he can impact your defense, uh, he's going to be a guy that uh, can a four-down player, play coverage, uh, can rush, can play the run, can play on special teams. Devin Lloyd's going to be a guy that teams in the top 10 consider. So definitely a name for Jets fans to know. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, my ears perked when you said that he played safety, because if you look at what the yeah. Jets did last year in the draft, Jamie and Sherwood, Hamza Nasraldine, both college safeties, both making the transition of pro linebackers. So knowing that about Devin Lloyd intrigues me, and I think that should make Jets fans you know, aware of what they're coaching down in Mobile. Whether the Jets are going to draft him is a totally different story. But when you look at what the San Francisco 49ers do, because that's where Robert Sala came from, and Fred Warner in the middle of that defense, mm -hmm. he also seems like a very fast, long player who changes the game. And we saw that with the force fumble against the green Bay Packers. Are there any similarities here between Devin Lloyd and Fred and Fred Warner, or is this like a total shot in the dark and it's not even close? No, I, I, I love where you're going with this. I love the thinking because yeah, Devin Lloyd could be the Fred Warner for the jets. He has that type of ability. He has that type of versatility where again, you can leave him on the field in any situation and he's not going to let you down. He can answer the bell. Uh, like I said, five interceptions in his career, three return for touchdowns. He's a playmaker, uh, and he impacts the game in so many different ways. The coaches rave about him. They say he does not leave the film room, lives in the film room. That's in a, in a 
it's part of his preparation and it, and it extends to the field uh, with what he does during the week. Uh, student of the game, a guy that's a two-year captain, played multiple positions uh, for, for Utah. He played their rover position, played their Mac position. So there's just a lot of things you could do with him inside linebacker, outside linebacker, uh, productive, can do basically everything you want your linebacker to do. And that's why we're talking about him as a top 10 pick in this draft. Great. All right. Let's move to corner. The name that stands out simply because of his name is Kobe Bryant. Spelled with a C, not a K. And he plays opposite of Ahmad Sauce Gardner, who we'll talk about when we break down the cornerbacks. But he's a part of this Jets national roster. So is Kobe Bryant the guy to watch in the cornerbacks room, or is there somebody else? Bryant's definitely a player to watch. Won the Jim Thorpe Award this year in college. It's the best defensive back in the nation. Uh, and you, you mentioned it with Sauce Gardner on one side. A lot of teams threw to the other side to avoid Gardner. And that was an opportunity for Bryant to step up, and that, that's what he did. Uh, I'm like, like Kenny Pickett, Bryant came back for to take advantage of that extra year of eligibility that the NCAA was given out because of the pandemic. And a, a guy that really blossomed uh, this year for Cincinnati, he, he takes coaching really well. And you could see that with the way that he plays uh, the position. He understands what the receiver's trying to do. He can play a different route run, against different route runners where he understands if he needs to press, play off, uh, make early contact, float a little bit, shadow, and then you love his ball skills. Uh, at the catch point, he knows what to do. Uh, and so Kobe Bryant, definitely a, a name to know on this roster. The other one I would point out, uh, Jalen Watson uh, out of Washington State. You, just, you talk about backstories uh, for these players and, and where they come from. It kind of tells us where they're going. Jalen Watson's a guy that just refused to stay down. Uh, he had to go the JUCO route out of, out of high school. Uh, and then he signed with USC. Uh, he was a big-time JUCO recruit, signed with USC. The grades weren't good enough. So he had to go home. He was working at Wendy's, uh, earning minimum wage. And he worked his way back up, got his grades back up, went to Washington State, and really productive for them. Uh, a guy you had know, two interceptions this past year, uh, a, a guy that really blossomed as a senior and kind of put his stock through the roof. Uh, if, if for teams that like the, the long-bodied corners, the athletic corners, uh, and I think that fits what the Jets could be looking for. Jalen Watson, definitely on the radar. All right. I know this is only the first episode that we're recording. One, Kobe Bryant, he's in the running for potentially the best name of the draft class. So far, Jalen Watson, to me, so far in the running for the best backstory. Obviously, we have months to, to for that list to change, and I'm sure it will. But those two guys, two guys to keep an eye on. Let's wrap up with this, Dane. You know, we talked about Joe Douglas, his affinity for the offensive line. Well, same thing for the defensive line and Robert Sala as well, coming from San Francisco, where we've seen what that line looks like. Who are guys, whether they're in the interior or on the outside, that Jets fans need to be aware of entering Senior Bowl week? Uh, well, one of my favorite uh, defensive linemen uh, in this draft, uh, he's going to be uh, uh, in Mobile, and that's Logan Hall out of Houston, uh, 6'6", 270. Uh, he, he was a defensive tackle. Uh, for the Cougars, but I like a better outside on the edge. Use that length, give him a little bit of a runway, and just let him go to town. He's still learning. He's only 21 years old, uh, a young senior, uh, and he's still discovering how good he could be, how to unlock all of that ability. So Logan Hall is a player that could end up being a first-round pick when it's all said and done. I, I like him quite a bit. And then another pass rusher to keep an eye on, Dominique Robinson, another guy with, uh, with a fantastic background, uh, a high school quarterback, uh, goes to Miami of Ohio, 
and moves to wide receiver. He's playing wide receivers first three years in college. And then in 2020, they say, let's try out on defense, see what you do. This guy goes to defense. It's still never started a game, but coming off the bench, he was, was just a, a wrecking ball off the edge. Uh, he had 11 tackles for loss the last two years, six and a half sacks, really athletic, brings some juice off the edge. So Dominic Robinson uh, is a late bloomer as a pass rusher who has yet to play his best football and I think could be one of the winners uh, during one-on-ones uh, during practice at uh, Senior Bowl practices. That's another great story. It, it, just to clarify, you did just say wide receiver to defensive end, right? That's it. Yeah, he played. He was a high school quarterback at Canton McKinley uh, in uh, in Northeast Ohio, close to me. And then he goes to Miami, Ohio, played wide receiver his first three years. He had like 27 catches, four touchdowns. Wasn't really doing it in terms of, uh, you know, it, making that much of an impact. And so the coaches went to him and said, Hey, you want to try defense? And so he goes out and like I said, he's, he's coming off the bench uh, as a reserve, but he's six, five, he got his weight up to two fifty five, So he looks like a defensive hmm. end. He, he doesn't look like a skinny wide receiver uh, trying to play a defensive position. He looks like uh, a pass rusher and he's still discovering just how good he could be. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see him live uh, during practice to see what he can what he can show and see if he can maybe work himself into the top 100 uh, conversation. That's another amazing story. Wide receiver to defensive end. Isn't that the Gregory Rousseau route from high school to college right. at Miami? Didn't he play wide receiver? And in, in, I don't remember what high school, but he went to a Florida high school when that's not easy to get on the field as a receiver in, down in South Florida. So then defensive end, first round pick and. Now he's, or they just lost, but in the playoffs, mm -hmm. in one of the most exciting games in NFL history in recent memory. So that, that was a great preview. All right. I'm real, this conversation, like every year, I'm always very excited to talk with you and to get the draft talk going. That just put this to another level, especially with the Jets coaching in the senior bowl. So I'm jacked up. I'll get to see you in person for like the first time in a couple of years, hopefully down yeah. in Mobile, Alabama, that, that'll be good. And that's that's a great way to put a bow on our first episode of the NFL Draft Preview with Dane Brugler. Dane, as always, thank you for your time, and we'll see you next week. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Ethan.